Okay, since we uh, are going from season six into season seven, I have a joke for you. <laughs> okay. Why was six afraid of seven? Because <laughs> seven, eight, nine. No, because he was a registered six offender. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome to X-Files Talk X-Files, the only podcast that suffers from anosmia and chronic indifference. Google it. I'm your host, David Harwood, and joining me tonight from X-Files News, I have Kava Anderson. Hi, Kava. Hello. How are you? I am excellent. It's been a big weekend. It has. We're recording this uh, a few weeks before it goes live, and uh, my struggle has just aired in New York Comic Con, uh, but rest assured, neither of us have seen it, so (laughs) this is completely spoiler-free, and we're not going to go into any spoilers here uh, on this podcast anyway, so... uh, Let's get on with the matter in hand. Yay! <laughs> so, uh, today we are going to be talking biogenesis through Sixth Extinction 2 Amorfati, uh, which is probably the hardest episode for me to pronounce, even with all the different Latin names that we have on the show, because I have a problem with the TH sound. <laughs> so, before we get into those episodes, though, we do have a listener question, and this is... Uh, rather a softball question Kava so I'm sure you'll appreciate that excellent Uh, this is from at tank bulldog on twitter and the question is what is your favorite animal from the (laughs) x-files so (laughs) excellent well you know what I'm I'm gonna dodge the uh I'm not gonna go for the obvious so I'm not gonna say Queequeg um I would say it's a toss-up for me between the chupacabra and that really terrible fake cat puppet. <laughs> what is it? Teso dos Pichos. I think those would be my two favorites. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, Queequeg is an obvious answer. Um, I was thinking as well that, you know, another obvious one might be Sophie the Gorilla in Fearful oh, yeah. Symmetry. Yay, Sophie. Um, so those are the obvious ones. I wasn't going to go the obvious route because, well, you know, it's too obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought we've got to give an honourable shout-out to the two-headed dog in I Want to Believe. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but my answer, my favourite animal from the show, has got to be Mulder's goldfish. Oh, yes. Because for at least seven of the nine years, that goldfish was there putting in the hours. Totally underappreciated. <laughs> uh, but he wasn't just tuck dressing He actually had an active plot point throughout the show which none of the other animals did really i mean i guess you know sophie did but without Mulder's goldfish scully wouldn't have been able to get the data from the printer that went in the trash in little green men and find out where Mulder was or uh have the excuse as to why she was you know sleeping over hugging his shirt in uh within and without (laughs) season eight (laughs) exactly so that's my answer it's Mulder's goldfish who doesn't even have a name right so Um, If anybody has suggestions for a name for his fish, 
let me know. Just tweet at David T. Harwood on Twitter. And uh, you can do the same thing if you have any um, other listener questions that we can use on these podcasts. <laughs> they could be as easy as this, or they can be a little bit more challenging and thought-provoking. Uh, but tweet me at David T. Harwood. I'm on Facebook. Um, or just go to xfilestalkxfiles.com. So, uh, yeah, keep the, keep the questions coming. <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's get into this three-parter, um, which obviously ended Season 6, started Season 7. Biogenesis, The Sixth Extinction, and The Sixth Extinction 2, Amrafati. Um, I'm just going to do a very quick plot summary to catch everybody up. So uh, this obviously takes place after The Two Fathers, One Son two-parter, which basically blew up the syndicate and almost put a reset on the mythology because we're kind of done with the whole conspiracy angle now, so what's left? Well, what's left is that a supposedly alien artifact is found in Africa. A rubbing of the artifact gives Mulder terrible headaches and apparently the ability to read minds. It has somehow awakened the dormant black oil in his system that he was infected with back in Tunguska. It turns out that the rubbings contain text written in Navajo and not only contains information on the human genome, but also all manner of religious texts from, from throughout the world. So Scully goes to Africa, she finds a UFO covered in this text and witnesses the power that it possesses. Meanwhile, Mulder is kidnapped by the cigarette smoking man. Uh, because he believes that Mulder has become a human-alien hybrid and wants to undergo surgery to likewise become so, believing that that will ensure his survival of the impending alien apocalypse. And then while unconscious, Mulder dreams of an alternative reality where he enjoys a quiet life in suburbia with the love of his life until the aliens evade and wipe out humanity. And then in the end, Scully saves Mulder and once again, they're left with more questions than answers. Yep. Can you hear? Can you hear the uh, the, the shipper giggling at the uh, love of his life part? Because no. <laughs> my reaction to that is no. <laughs> she's not dead. She's in the revival. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Seeing Diana Fowley in a coffin was one of my uh, my favorite moments of that whole uh, three parter. But anyway, we'll get to that. <laughs> it's not as much fun winding up you as Tiffany. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> Let, let's start off then. We're talking about the biggest sort of thing of all of this is that you know the syndicate is gone so what is the x-files mythology without the syndicate in there yep. i think uh scully even sort of addresses that with Mulder in the in the hallway right towards the beginning of the episode when you know she's asked you know you won you know you exposed these men and their secrets you know what more could you possibly hope to do or to find and he just looks at her and you know goes my sister and you can sort of I mean, just the the look on his face there, and then the look on Scully's, where you know she kind of realizes momentarily, like, "Oh, duh! How could I forget that?" It was just you know really well acted by those two, but it does sort of. I mean, she even spells it out for us. Okay, this original mythology is done. So now what? And it starts us off kind of in a completely different direction that we'll see arcs on even through season nine. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the correct answer that Mother should have given is, "Huh." You're right. Let's just go play Battleship. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because at this point in the show, it, you know, the, the wheels are sort of spinning as to what's going to happen next because David and Jillian's deals were running out. Chris was very, you know, 
very sure at this point that season seven was probably going to be the final year of the show. And it kind of makes sense as to what they did with the mythology in season seven, that they were working towards just sort of wrapping it up because these episodes deal with the idea that life on Earth, or at least human life on Earth, is the result of um, aliens creating us. That, you know, there is no God, that what we know as God is only alien, and that it's because of aliens that humans are on Earth. And that's kind of what this three-parter sort of digs into um, and sort of sets that up, which builds on stuff that's been established earlier on in the show, or at least hinted at earlier on in the show. And when you look at the rest of season seven, all we really have, the only other mythology episodes are the whole Samantha two-parter. And then you have um, Requiem at the very end, which, you know, as we know, could have ended the show or as it was, ended up being a cliffhanger into season eight. So in terms of the mythology that we're dealing with in season seven, it is very much a kind of wrapping things up. And so it's only when we end up having a season eight, they have to come up with, okay, where do we go from here? And it obviously brings in the super soldiers. Oh, yeah, that's like I'd had, I'd actually sort of forgotten that that's like, we really didn't have a whole lot of myth arc at all in season seven. That's, but yeah, you're right. I think, you know, that two-parter. Well, no, because even I had to double check it because, yeah. you know, season seven is not a short season. It's 22 episodes, right. but that that is all we get. So, you know they are kind of working towards sort of wrapping it up. They get kind of giving their big ideas as to, to what it is, you know, what, what's behind all of this. And, uh, yeah, and it kind of, kind of goes to show that without the syndicate there, without these other people doing their, you know, nefarious starsly deeds, that Mm -hmm. there's really not a whole lot there because when it comes down to, what it is at its core that it, it's you know these human resistance you know Mulder obviously the, the figurehead of that versus the aliens and you see it in Amorfati where you know he's lying in his bed and the, the aliens sort of come in his vision and they're killing everybody wiping off the face you know wiping humanity off the face of the earth outside the window mm-hmm. you realize that how futile it really is because when it's Mulder versus or Mulder and Scully versus the Syndicate and stuff, you know, it's kind of an even fight there. You have the good people versus the bad people, and they're trying to crusade for truth, they're trying to crusade for justice, but when it's, you know, a couple of people who know the truth versus this alien force, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't have a chance, so it's kind of a bleak outlook when you head into season seven and it's no wonder that they're kind of thinking we've taken this show as far as we possibly can at this point mm-hmm. yeah i love that it plants the seed of the you know I mean, we see bits of that throughout with the you know even in fight the future where that black oil infects the caveman and and it's been around that long we know how old it is and, and to, to bring it back even further that maybe it's you know the aliens who planted that very first you know, spark of humanity on the on the planet is pretty cool. Um, I think they call that the uh, what is it? The ancient astronaut theory. I think I see that mentioned a couple of times in in yeah. trying to to come up with the uh, the plot line for the episode. So, and it's something that's kind of been hinted at throughout the show because I think that's isn't that what the translation of Anasazi is? Is ancient alien or something? Yes. 
yes. and that they were supposed to be a tribe that just disappeared without explanation at some point sort of obviously hinting that they went back to wherever they came from some other planet um uh, you know and the whole thing with gibson praise is that he's more human than human because he's got this part of his brain which is normally dormant in humans is active in gibson praise suggesting that he has stepped over some sort of evolutionary boundary to where he's not just human he's now human alien hybrid which is implied as to what happens with Mulder in mm-hmm. these episodes that the radiation or whatever it is from the craft the rubbing activates that black oil that he's been infected with and so he becomes like Gibson Praise he can read minds he becomes um, a step up the evolutionary ladder towards aliens and that's why CSM wants to get a piece of his brain in his head yeah yeah that uh that whole thing with CSM at the at the end of the the three parter, and I'm, I think I'm just going to jump around. But that part just blows my mind because what parent do you know who would sacrifice their kid to save themselves? That's just not. I, I I don't think I've ever met anybody who would do that. You know, usually it's the other way around. It's the the parent sacrifices themselves to save their their son or daughter, whereas the you know CSM is like, I'll live on for Mulder. I'm like, no, 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 that's not how this works. Like, what are you doing, old guy? You're just you know. he's not exactly the role model parent. Though. No, I mean, you know, last time we saw him, he shot his other son at point, right. point blank range. <laughs> you know, he starts off with, "I am your father." Like, no, you're not. You may have provided the DNA, but beyond that, you know, dude, just go away. Like, it's just, it just made me laugh. And it's, yeah, I mean, obviously he's, like you said, he's not the role model parent, but I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go back to the whole I am your father thing, because I know there's certain sections of the fan base that kind of still even now refuse to believe that CSM is Mulder's father, mm-hmm. even though it's been strongly hinted at for several seasons prior to this um and just clarify i do believe that he is actually Mulder's biological father but you can still take that whole i am your father as him sort of being the you know ideologically or something that i am your father right you know that's kind of something that we discuss in the whole two fathers one son sort of thing that whether or not he is biologically his father he is the logical um successor i suppose to csm in a way because he is the one who is prepared to fight for whatever he believes is right versus jeffrey who kind of doesn't have a clue <laughs> or or, or even Crychek that has his own motives you know yeah. that you know Mulder is fueled by a similar fire even though he picks a different um morality mm-hmm. csm's darth vader moment yes and i suppose there too you could argue well, well, where does Mulder's dream world begin there? You know, is is that, you know, the CSM saying, I'm your father, is that just part of the dream world? Or was that actually confirmation? And I think, you know, as you look further down the road, even into uh, season nine, when Scully's running the DNA on the, the mystery man who turns out to be, you know, Jeffrey Spender, and his DNA sort of matches Mulder's because they were, you know, half-brothers. It's, at this point, it is pretty much confirmed that, you know, the CSM was the uh, the baby daddy, as it were, but... <laughs> Yeah, talking about the whole the whole dream sequence, which mm. I saw there's some shippers out there <laughs> kind of gritting their teeth every time we get to this episode. Um, 
but we're not going to go into into that. I mean, we can. But <laughs> I'll, I'll double back on that because I've got some thoughts from the, okay. the first part of the episode, too, just because it's I love that it starts off with Scully's biology lesson. You know, that whole intro was her just <laughs> reading about how, you know, life evolved on the planet. I'm like, you know, had Gillian Anderson just read all of my science books, I probably would have been a much better student as the years have gone on. I like, you know, I was like, oh, this this works. This makes sense. I can I can sit here and listen to this and. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> We're overlooking the fact that she sounded bored to just reading all of that at the beginning of the episode, but... <laughs> it was very um, uh, measured, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I remember the first time watching that episode and just the revelation of Deep Throat being in his kitchen, that mm-hmm. he was alive this whole time. It's like, well, I, I think I remember just sort of jumping up out of my seat and going, what? Yeah. At the TV yep. is a, a pretty cool revelation. Hopefully we'll have some revelations of a similar nature in yep. this revival that we're working towards. Yeah. Don't I'm know. Sure. haven't seen it. Did they list Jerry Harden in the credits for that one? I'm not sure. Because I, I made a note, like, back at the beginning, like, watching Biogenesis, it was, like, you know, seeing names like Nicholas Lee and Floyd Red Crow Westerman in the credits, like, you know this episode's going to be good. Because you get that hint of, you know, yeah. Project and Albert Hosteen before, you know, long before either of them shows up on screen. So, it's, ah, yes. So I just wonder, you know, because they've done that a couple of times where they don't put Nick Lee in the opening credits just to to stall that out to keep the, the suspense there. And, um so I wonder about that if, if Deep Throat was another sneak attack, but I don't remember. I don't think his name was in the opening credits. I could be wrong. I remember looking at um, at the beginning of The Sixth Extinction and that Kritschkow, the actor, his name, was in the opening credits because we don't know he's going to be there at that point. Right. Um, but I don't think Jerry Hardin's name was there. I would be surprised if they did put it in there. Yep. But... Um, yeah, I mean, this is obviously a two-parter that kind of deals with ghosts a little bit as well, and visions that yep. with Albert Hosteen. And I'd like that they did kind of tap into the more spiritual aspect. I mean, you get that, it's sort of heavy-handed in a way right from the beginning with the the artifact landing in the Bible. Like, you know, you're not going to get more, hey, check this out. What's the, you know, what's this theme going to be about than that, I don't think. But it, it is interesting to where it, it's, it, they really do start to meld the, um, the religion with the science and maybe, you know, how Scully's faith has been such a big part of her all along. Well, what does that say if it does come from aliens, you know? And, and I think in, uh, earlier in the, in the series, she'd said something about, um, you know, she would only be disappointed if somebody would, you know, were to disprove the idea of God. Uh, well, maybe this kind of does that. So I wonder, you know, and I suppose that probably leads to some of her confusion at the end of the, the three-parter, but it was an interesting take to see and how, you know, despite through the first episode, how her saying she refuses to believe that she really did come around as far as like the translations and things like that by the end of the, the three-parter. Yeah. And it's another case of Chris Carter being subtle with a capital B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think, let me see. Cause it was Chris and that was, um, I know David. It, it was Chris and Frank was biogenesis. Then it was Chris on his own. Then David and Chris. Right. So. Right. And I know they were writing those the 
the six extinctions at the same time. Like Chris was working on the, the first part of it while David was writing the second. Um, but I, I read somewhere that Kim was talking about how hard it was to prepare to shoot the episodes because there wasn't a ton of certainty at first how the storylines were going to unfold because I think Kim directed the first part of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just wondering, how the heck does that work? How are you writing the second half of the story before the first part's even finished? But I, it worked out okay in the end, I guess. So yeah, it, it kind of holds together. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's there's two main characters that I want to talk about from this free parter, um, and I wonder if you wonder if I wonder if you can guess which two characters I think. These this free part or not even all three episodes necessarily sort of shed a bit of light on, especially the trajectory that we're going on throughout the rest of this season. Hmm. Let's see. Well, as far as trajectory, I don't know because Diana's trajectory sort of ends, but you do get a lot. I think more of her backstory in yeah. these episodes, as much as I dislike her character. Um, she did. Yeah, well, to the point where I, I have a note in one of them, and I'm like, I think Biogenesis is the one where she showed up, and I just about put my flashlight through the TV. <laughs> that, would be, that would be the scene where she's taking her shirt off in his apartment. You know, I think that was probably it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Let me see. I don't know. Crycheck and Skinner. <laughs> yeah, well, Crycheck, because, I mean, if, you, if you've been listening to this podcast, anybody, you probably know that I am a bit of a mm. Crycheck fanboy. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, the last time that we saw him at the end of One Son, he'd kind of been ditched by the Cigarette Smoking Man and the Syndicate. So presumably he's not working with him anymore at this point, but he's still in the mix doing his own thing. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting to find out that they had an alternative idea of what the mythology would be in season seven and uh, one of their ideas uh, originally was that in season seven Krychek and Marita Kovarubius would team up and would join the rebel alliance and that's kind of where they were looking at taking the uh, mythology in season seven that they would not only well not only join the with the rebels but also with the Russian syndicate, and that those would be kind of like some of the bad guys throughout season seven. Of course, you know the whole syndicate storyline was completely ditched after after one son. We didn't go down that route again, but it'd been kind of interesting to see how that would have played out. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, we kind of have this whole thing of Krychek trying to pick up the pieces of the old syndicates the old conspiracy and still trying to gather knowledge or uh whether he's gonna sell that on for his own gain or whether he's just trying to figure out some way to ensure his own survival at this point we don't know um but it it kind of builds on a little bit from um sr 19 mm-hmm. is that the right number yes yep. it is <laughs> yep uh, you know, kind of, kind of builds on that because of his control over Skinner and the whole Skinner having to video his meetings with Mulder and Scully mm-hmm. in the office. Uh, but no, it would have been kind of interesting to see that alternative idea as to Krychek now stepping up and becoming this other force more so than he has been in the past and an opposing force to Cigarette Smoking Man. Yeah, that would have... You get a hint of that, you know, him... You know, and Marita teaming up at the end of season seven, but it would have been a lot, a lot of fun to see the, the two of them plotting and scheming against each other and, and together throughout the the season. It's kind of too bad that that didn't uh, 
that didn't work out because that would have been interesting. And yeah, you see, you know, Mulder saying to to Skinner in that meeting, you know, he's been compromised. And Skinner's like, what are you talking about? And then, you know, they leave and he's walking over to the VCR. And it's like, well, okay. <laughs> you knew exactly what he was talking about. But Yeah, and you had that scene in the hospital as well where Scott, where he says something and Scott is like, I didn't give you that report yet. It's yep. like, Any, anyway, he's like, I think this yeah. is what we should do. <laughs> uh, anybody need coffee? I gotta go. <laughs> oh, poor skin man gotta know that that's just killing him too i would think because you you'd seen well even going back to sr 819 where he was talking about how he could have been more of a a help to their cause and you know right when he's getting that inspiration back then crycheck's got him right under his thumb again and and, you know i wonder what that's got to be like for skinner as sort of a a more honorable man i would like to see him as but as as you are a uh, crycheck fanboy i am a skinner fan girl so (laughs) Hello, me some skin man. <laughs> yeah, he's he's kind of not in his element in these episodes, though. Really, I mean, you know, that that conversation I was just saying about you know he's gotten to the uh, to the office of assistant director in the FBI, and yet he still gets out of awkward conversations by going look behind you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look over there. Yeah, here you just talked to Diana. <laughs> But yeah, see, it's so funny because he starts out trying to help in his own way, you know, like with the, um, and goes and gets, you know, Kritschkow and, and tries to help Mulder as, as much as he can and, and tries to kind of help Scully. And then when he realizes he's doing more harm than good, he steps away and, and warns Scully, like, I can't, I, la, 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 I don't know, like, just go over there and go, I don't tell me anything because I don't need to know. And, and, you know, I sort of I appreciated that he did that because he could have just kept playing right along, and Crycheck could have just continued grilling him for all that information. So, props to Skin Man, even if he he was really clumsy about how he went about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, Crycheck was one character I was thinking of. The other one was Tina Mulder who oh, okay. is, is barely in these episodes, but she turns up in Arafati and um, she's there at the beginning, which probably one of the you know more powerful sort of Mulder emotional moments where he's lying comatose mm-hmm. in the hospital bed and um, he's just going, Mom, Mom, and, you know, in, in his head, but nobody can hear him. And that's just kind of heartbreaking and tragic and... Yeah, seeing a grown man sort of regress to childhood like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but her main point in the episode is that she is the one that signs him out of the hospital and basically gives him over to the care of Cigarette Smoky Man, mm-hmm. who was her ex-lover and who is the biological father of Fox Mulder. And, you know, based on everything that's happened in the past... And this event in particular, I think that's what puts her on the trajectory of ultimately committing suicide in um, Sinanzite. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point she would have known better than to trust this guy because if I remember correctly, and this all gets sort of muddled, she knew that CSM had Samantha the whole time. Um it, uh, you're right. It does get muddled. That's how I'd understand how it. Right. How I'd understood it. So if she knew that, then why in the hell would she turn her over other kid over to this guy? I mean, unless she was just so convinced that he was the only one who could cure Mulder, um, it, it does sort of make you wonder. If, you know, because you'd think she'd know better as far as what his uh, 
his plans were going to be, but maybe she didn't realize he was as deeply involved in that as he ended up being. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's got to be some untold stories of Tina Mulder mm-hmm. and to what she's been going through these years since her husband, well, ex-husband, was killed. Or even before then, you know, um, since they got divorced and their marriage fell apart and everything, there's got to be a lot more sort of stuff going on that we have no idea that she's been going through all these years. And I think that there's a very interesting story that, you know, will never be told about her side of, of all of these events. Because, as you said, it is very muddled what actually happened with Samantha and what mm-hmm. actually happened with CSM and... And I'm sure we will get onto that in a future podcast, but there's a lot of stuff which really doesn't make sense to us, the fans, that right. Jeffrey was living with Samantha this whole time and he never mentioned anything. Right. You think as, as much of a jerk as he was, you'd think he'd be dangling that over uh, over Mulder's head at any chance he got, but maybe yeah. kids I didn't realize. I do have my own sort of like headcanon about that, but that can probably keep until we get to those episodes. <laughs> Well, don't get, like, go ahead and share it because I'm not sure if you're going to be on that podcast. So that let, let's true. let's hear your point of view on that now. But, well, what I like to think about what happened to Samantha is that she was actually abducted by aliens, like Mulder remembered, um, and the syndicate was in on it. Um, and then she was returned. Old Smokey picks her up, um, just like you know Mulder was eventually returned. He picks her up and, and continues. Then the the syndicate uses her as sort of a lab rat. Um, sort of looking her over whatever the experiments were that the um, the aliens did on her first, then they continued to try and, and see if they could turn her into a, a hybrid, sort of like they did with uh, Cassandra Spender. And obviously she gets away and, and it doesn't work in the end. But yeah, so I, I like to think that there was a little bit of both there, that she was really abducted by aliens, but that the syndicate also had a huge part in it. And there was a lot of the same like medical testing and things like that, that went on with Scully, you know, later. So she was sort of got the worst of both worlds, like what Mulder went through and what Scully went through is I I think that's, that's where she ended up. Yeah, that that probably makes sense. And how much of that Tina knew, I don't know, you know, whereas if if she knew at least that Smokey and his friends were, were behind the abduction or where, you know, if she knew where she ended up in the long run or not. Like, I, I don't know if that ever really truly gets answered and we need to speak to the writer. <laughs> <laughs> Bring on share. <laughs> yes. Share. That is always the answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I need to do some deep thinking on that topic before I get into those episodes. Right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff there which still does not make sense, even after having, you know, 15 years to process this. Right. Um, oh God, has it really been that long? Uh, yeah, it has. In 19 what fall of would have been the fall of 99, I think, or fall of 98. No, fall uh, fall oh, of 99. Yep, I'm getting my getting my years confused. This is so, my old age. <laughs> yeah, because because we're coming up to the millennium episode. So yes, that's right. That's right. Um, Have fun with the shippers on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, yeah, they'd be like, yeah, apparently there's this Frank Black guy in the episode. I don't know what that was about. But anyway, the last five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Something about zombies and, but the last five, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, okay, we, we're kind of digress- digressing a little bit, but um it's interesting kind of figure that out because 
the Tina mother has never seemed to be a woman who is kind of a shrinking violet or anything. She's always seemed to be a fairly strong character. But you've got to wonder if that's actually the case, because if she's let uh, CGB Spender or whatever his real name is exploit her and kind of do this to her family, mm-hmm. break her family apart, um, that her and um, William Mulder's only um, child to both of them be taken away and be experimented on or whatever, she probably didn't know a whole lot of what happened other than the Samantha was taken mm-hmm. and you know she had this relationship with him and Fox was born out of that and William Muller was either under the impression you know either did believe that he was his father or just went along with it and raised him anyway she seemed you know she has he's done a head trick on her somewhere along the way mm-hmm. there because even Cassandra you know, who was actually his wife, you know, knows what kind of bullshit this guy is capable of and what an evil man he is. And yet Tina Mulder is there just showing up at their summer house and still, you know, willing to speak with him, even though they're going to argue. And, you know, it kind of gives a different impression of this character that we've known all these years and we thought was a strong character you can look at it knowing all this other stuff throughout everything that we learn in season seven and think, well, actually, she was actually a very weak kind of character and that she's really let other people kind of control all these different aspects of her life and, you know, that she didn't really stand up for her kids. Yep. And uh, it, I feel horrible saying it because I've always been a big fan of Tina Mulder, but when you're trying to put these different pieces together and figure out the truth of what's happened to Samantha and all these other things, mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the conclusion that you're left with. And how she just sort of let Mulder suffer all those years trying to figure that out. I think to me, her, cause you see her get angry with him a lot. And to me, that anger was always more self-preservation than anything she was doing whatever she could to protect herself to the detriment of of everybody else and if that was just because what happened was so painful she couldn't face it or you know I'm not even sure what the other (laughs) what the or would be but just that you know she was so unwilling to to tell him the truth even to the point of of taking her own life eventually just says a lot I think I I don't think that's a strong character at all I think she wants people to think she is but in reality was just more concerned with saving her own ass and being able to to deal with her own self on a day-to-day basis I think than than she was concerned about how you know her actions were affecting the people around her and I think a a strong character you know can face that that pain and, and make the best of it and do you know, what needs to be done for her family um, instead of just leaving him to figure it out on his own and, you know, wasting most of his adult life trying to find this sister who'd been gone for a very long time. And I don't know, she just, my heart kind of goes out to her at times because you, you could see that she did try. And when she went to, you know, to visit him there in the hospital at the beginning, even if she did hand him over to the the CSM, I like to believe that she was doing that because she felt that that's, you know, the only option he had as far as, you know, Mulder 
as far as Mulder getting better. And you can see she does care for him at the beginning there, but it's like, oh, come on, Tina. Like, just go the, yeah, a little bit further. We can do this, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I'm just thinking back as, as you're talking. I'm thinking back to Colony. Mm-hmm. And um, there's that bit where Mulder goes to his father's house and they're chatting outside before he realises that Samantha is there or he thinks that Samantha is there inside with Tina. And I think it's that scene where William Mulder says something and it's kind of almost kind of condescending in a little way that, oh, your mother's being emotional and blah, 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 because Samantha's turned up. And, you know, she's been she's been disappeared for 20 years, but your yeah. mother's been emotional about her turning up or something. And you just think at the time, oh, my God, that is so really just condescending. Right. Um, but then you look at it through these kind of, this kind of prism and it's kind of like, well, maybe he was actually being really legitimate and that this woman is not all there um, emotionally or psychologically this whole time you know right so older i mean that whole family is just such a mess i mean <laughs> oh and, yeah. and then you have to sit there and not only that but you're you know he's unable to express himself but he's able to to read minds so i just wonder you know, you can hear his the the bits of the the conversation with Tina when she she first comes in, but it makes you wonder what else he heard while she was standing there, and did he hear her when she was you know out in the hallway, and, and you know what else was going on there? That's just I don't know, man. Sometimes I think that's a talent I would want for a while, and then nah, I think you're probably better off not knowing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um. I think we've delved enough into the psychology of Tina Mulder. Uh, <laughs> probably more than we needed to for somebody yep. who hoards vacuum cleaners that no longer work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, this is yet another three-part episode where we get some big kind of revelations in the mythology. We get some character stuff. But not a whole lot really happens plot-wise. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all kind of wrapped up succinctly by the end. Everyone's back to normal. we got a few more dead bodies lying around. Um, you know, sorry? I hate it when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kritschkow is brought back just so he can be killed off again. And uh, Fowl- Fowley is finally laid to rest mm-hmm. so that she can never bother uh, shippers. <laughs> <laughs> ever ever again um cut the crap shall we let's <laughs> yeah some more classic chris carter dialogue <laughs> yeah there are bits and pieces like i just you know i love certain aspects of those episodes and you know in the not so in-depth things i, I just i take notes about you know Mulder hair is on point you know because it was rather awesome all through the end of uh season six there which was kind of funny and then they chop it all off because of his brain surgery which makes me sad but uh um yeah it was just uh i like that they brought back uh albert hosting it was good to see him again even if it uh yeah. you know he was another one that died by the end of the uh you know the episode or you assume he's you know just a ghost at that point but yeah and it, you know it's weird because i thought he was in so many more episodes than just um you know anasazi through a paperclip and then this three-parter because he's such a you know in my mind he's such a big presence throughout the show and you know it's 
strange watching rewatching these episodes and realizing okay this this is actually the first time we've seen him in a long long time and then they just bring him back and kill him off again mm-hmm. and you know it probably goes back to what i was saying that chris carter was you know adamant about wrapping up the mythology aspects of the show and he was determined to kill everybody off <laughs> by the end of season seven yep why not <laughs> so, yeah i guess and then you go on for another two seasons and wonder what on earth you're gonna do. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's where the uh, the super soldiers came in. I think. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the sad thing is, it's like I may roll my eyes about a lot of that stuff, but at the end of the day, I would still rather watch that as weird and kind of convoluted as it was than just about anything else that I've ever seen because it's, you know, the the imperfection of it. I think sometimes is what makes it fun, and even if it's sorta you may kind of give it the side eye for a little bit. It's still believable in a way and it's still enjoyable. So I, I'll give him credit for that. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, a lot of the mythology season eight and nine, I just can't stand. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I guess you, you look back at like the classic mythology season two, season three sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I've watched dozens of times and I probably haven't rewatched most of the season eight, season nine mythology more than, a couple of times mm-hmm. you know a few times some of them more than others um but like nothing important happened today i think i maybe watched twice and yeah. you know my shorthand for it is nothing interesting happened today um mm-hmm. so it's going to be interesting to go back and rewatch a lot of the mythology from the last two seasons of the show mm-hmm. having talked and thought about all the previous mythology episodes a lot more than I maybe have in the past. Yeah. You know, I've loved the mythology in the past, but, you know, certain things like examining Tina Mulder's character, you know, I really haven't given it that much thought mm-hmm. until today. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it will be interesting looking at the final two seasons through a similar um, kind of context. Yeah. I think we, you do sort of get back to the, that, uh, you know, that ancient astronaut theme later in season nine in, um, uh, was it, Providence and Providence. Yes. If you get back to more of the aliens there, and I think, you know, William is a little bit more tied in with that there, but we'll, you know, get into that at a later date. So I think they, you know, this era of the mythology, they do sort of revisit that a little bit later. Um, Supposing they were probably glad they had a little bit to fall back on from, you know, the beginning of seven, but. When it goes back to Gibson praise and all of Mm -hmm. that as well. But yeah, I mean, the. Providence and Providence do part of that's very much the whole idea of aliens and religion and that aliens are God and that you know and that's why that's why yep. the that's why the the artifact goes straight into Genesis because that's right. basically what this episode is. It's about alien Genesis. <laughs> so. This was blues clues, that would have been luck. <laughs> Like, it's such a cool effect, but it just kind of made me giggle. Like, especially now that I've seen it a couple of times, but I remember yes. back in the day thinking, like, whoa, that was awesome. And, but, yeah, and there's I have another note, like, later. Um, and as far as, like, production elements go, you know, I, I, I wrote Machete Scully as my spirit animal because I, I really enjoy watching her, you know, run around and whack people with that thing. That was kind of entertaining. Um, but the I think the score throughout all three of these, I mean, I know he pulled from – there was some of that fight the future music in there again, but one of my favorite, like, it's not hit you over the head, obvious though. Right. Yeah. It's, it was more of that. It's like the cello theme that you hear a couple of times, like when Mulder's in the bed, um, in the hospital, 
but yeah. they do hear the um the cue at the end of biogenesis where the organs kind of come in and stuff as the the camera pulls back and you're starting to see the scope of that of the spaceship like i love that and then of course the uh, the infamous hallway scene at the end of uh, Amor Fadi, where the the that's like one of my favorite music cues in the whole series. That's like in the top of my uh, my little X Files playlist that I keep on my phone, but it's just great. So I like the and they they did put a lot of work into the you know the special effects in that episode too, um, as far as just like floating the green screens and and the yes yeah I made a lot of special effects in this whole oh. free parter. I mean. Uh the shot at the end of biogenesis which is just stunning of the <laughs> spaceship uh in the beach i think that was like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars just mm-hmm. for that one shot yep and that beach is on my list of beaches that i need to go to now that i live in southern california because that one i think is it's either lee carrillo or carrillo i'm not sure how you pronounce the the double l in that but that's i think 30 miles up the up the PCH from Malibu, so I okay. may check them out and see if they they left any artifacts for me lying around. It's been a while, so probably not. But yeah, well, good luck with that. <laughs> I'll let you know what I find. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, so, so, you, so can I talk about the constant in the touchstone? Go, for, go a for it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought we could get out of there before we got into the shipper stuff, but of course not. I think that's what. You know, for a lot of people, that's what makes these episodes memorable, you know, is just Scully fighting so hard to find an answer for Mulder. And I mean, we've seen this from her before, but she is just absolutely taking no nonsense from anybody. You know, she's chewing out Skinner. She's chewing out Folly. She's chewing out all these doctors. She's chewing out Critchgow. She's just on the warpath throughout the entire, you know, and, and ends up in Africa studying these things that, you know, previously she might not have ever believed in. And it ends up, you know, just in this totally sweet scene that they hadn't even if i remember correctly was not at all in the scripted in the first um yeah the, first take. It was a, watching what? um the six extinction part one it, it's very reminiscent of the blessing way where Mulder is just mm-hmm. lying off somewhere and yep. you know in a hospital or whatever and scully's the one who's out in the field trying to get answers and mm-hmm. the way that she's going about it's maybe not making the most sense but you know right. hey, it's it works for the show yeah know what her frequent flyer miles look like but yeah it just to see them come back together and kind of come full circle that way and to see Mulder not as concerned with folly being murdered as he is with trying to reassure scully that that made me feel better you know he's like i was once like you and you know the the whole murdered ex-girlfriend or ex-wife depending on who you talk to is just sort of a well that's sad but here scully let me make you feel better just like okay I'll take it. And I, I think that was added on after the fact because they didn't like the original, the way the episode ended originally, which is interesting because that, that scene to me just makes the episode. It's because it's such a kind of an, a turning point, I think, in their uh, their relationship as far as it really kind of plants the seed as, as the direction that's going to go through season seven for better or for worse. But I don't know. It was a... A pretty sweet moment. Well, that was just it. They thought it was going to be the final season. And so it's like, okay, I guess we can finally bring them back together. We right. can finally bring them together. and <laughs> Yeah. And then we know how that ended. but Or, or maybe we don't. I mean, that, that could still be resolved in the, uh, in, in the upcoming revival. I, I think there are a few people out there who may know, but not us yet. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that, like that 
scene that you're talking about, there's the bit where he sort of says, you know, I chose another path, another life, another fate, and that I found my sister there. And it kind of hints that even though we don't really know what happened to Samantha, we've had some hints, especially with Two Father, One Son, Two Fathers, One Son, what maybe happened at this point, we don't know the end of that storyline. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he saw another life and she was there kind of hints that in this reality that, you know, she probably is dead or she is not going to be found. Yep. So, a lot of suckiness for the Mulder family in season yes. seven. <laughs> yep, and the... And then his one little hint of happiness that he could have had at the very end of the season. No, just captured away because he was taken by aliens. I mean, I hate it when that happens. That's, you know, and back to the point, too, where season seven really would have been the uh, been the end of the series. And they ended on Requiem. I don't know that I would have survived because that summer was long enough knowing we were going to get some answers in the fall. But, man, if that would have been the end of the series and we would have had to have waited for another movie after that, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. And it took what? It was show finished in two thousand two and then it was what, two thousand eight? Yep. So yeah. In twenty fifteen. Wow. <laughs> Say what you like about X Files, but you know, we're nothing if not patient. Yep, that is very true. I, I think we're right up there with the uh the Sherlock fans as far as waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but even Sherlock fans don't have to wait that long, I don't think. That is true. But yeah, we're just kind of like some sort of um, mutant human bat kind of creatures, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of our patience. And I also want to know if that kid on the beach was foreshadowing for William or if that was just coincidence. That's always bothered me. (laughs) Yeah, it it bothers me in terms of what's the point of that. Mm -hmm. Um. I thought about trying to bring it up, but that's pretty much the extent of what I have to say about it. What is what is the point of all of that? And I guess this is obviously David Coveney was kind of like the lead writer on this episode. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it's because he was about to become a father, and so he wanted something with a kid in there, or. I'm sure there's theories out there, and I haven't done a whole lot of reading in advance of this podcast on that, but that's kind of aspect of that episode which kind of bored me a little bit. <laughs> I'll put that on the list of things to ask him if I ever run into him at Starbucks okay. in Southern California. Thank you. Which will never happen. <laughs> yeah. I know, we should have done this before uh, all the girls went up to New York Comic Con, and then right. Tiffany could have asked him, because apparently he smells nice. So the, that's that kind of hard-hitting journalism people that, that Exiles News are doing for you. <laughs> hey, we don't skip any detail. You, know? you, you want to know everything right down to the... Uh, the cologne of the talent. We'll put it that way. <laughs> no stun unturned, my friend. <laughs> so on that note, I'm pretty much exhausted as to what I can talk about for these episodes. Yep. So unless you have anything else, I say let's go on to the weakest quiz section that I have <laughs> ever done thus far. Yeah, I, I will. Uh, I will make one silly comment about uh, saluting the wardrobe department in these episodes. But beyond that, I'll uh, I'll leave that interpretation to your imagination. So <laughs> you're talking about that file, the Fowley scene again, right? Nope, I'm talking about Scully's <laughs> <this> tank top. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's uh, it's right up there with Skinner's yellow shirt from within and without. <laughs> that too is a classic. <laughs> okay, so three episodes, not a lot happens. Five, you know, hard one questions to ask. Okay. So, <laughs> so question one. Uh, there is a clip from Fight the Future used in Biogenesis. What is it? Oh, how did I miss that? Um, interesting. I was going to say, is it like the ice in the caveman stuff? It, it is. It's the caveman running across the snow. Okay, sweet. Good educated guess <laughs> on my part. Like, I bet you that's in the montage at the beginning where I was like listening but not really watching because it's all file footage, but you know. That would be it. <laughs> Yes. Okay, question two. In which African country is the UFO found? Oh, that's uh, the Ivory Coast. It is. Africa. And when Krichkow does the ESP test on Mulder, which world landmark is one of the rotating images on the screens? Oh, is the uh, Eiffel Tower? It's Big Ben. Oh, rats. <laughs> <laughs> I was rewatching the scene as well, making sure it was the only one. And then it's like, okay. okay, there's several different animals, so I can't do that. Uh, there's apples, but maybe there's some other food on there as well. So let's just go with the, the landmark. <laughs> um, what animals are the first to be brought back to life by the UFO? Oh, are those the fish? It was. And, okay, do you want an easy question or a hard question? Because I have alternative ones here. Did we did? Was that? Did we do three already? Yes. Yep. You've had three out of four so far. Okay. Okay. So I actually managed to come up with six questions just okay. in case. So you can have an easy question or a hard question. Okay. I'll throw um, it open to you. Okay. We'll do the hard one, and then if I screw that up, <laughs> soothe my soul with the easy one. How's that? Okay. In the alternative reality, how many grandkids does cigarette smoking men have? Three. He does indeed. Four out of five. <laughs> Excellent. There you go. All right. Uh, we will wrap it up there. Um, I will be back next week and I will be talking um, first few episodes of season seven after this two-parter. Uh, we're doing Hungry, Millennium, uh, and I'm not sure how far we're going actually, but we're doing, <laughs> we're doing a few episodes <laughs> of season seven. So join me for that, won't you please? Yay, season seven. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, you can uh, get in touch with me. I'm on Twitter and Facebook, David T. Harwood on both of those. You can also co uh, contact me through xfilestalkxfiles.com. Please send me some listener questions because uh, we do enjoy doing those at the, be at the beginning of each show. Definitely. There's not a whole lot of podcasts left now before the revival. Uh, so please get your listener questions in now while you have a chance. Kava, uh, how can people get in touch with you and the, and everybody else from the X-Files News Squad? Uh, best way, I think, is to hit us up on social media. You can find uh, X-Files News on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr. Uh, myself, best way to reach me is I am at Synergy3K on Twitter. There you go. Thank you very much, Kava. Always a pleasure. Always great to be here. And uh, as I said, we're getting towards the end of the show. It's going to be the revival episodes after that. Um, I know that you're an extremely busy person, but we will get you back on at least one more time before this is done and dusted. I promise. Excellent. Looking forward <laughs> to it. <laughs>
Thank you very much, listeners. Uh, please tune in next week. Um, in the meantime, I'm off to dream of an alternative reality where my fridge is always stocked with sunflower seeds. Thank you for not letting us skip the whole Mulder Scully relationship aspects because I totally would have. I, I think had I had I skipped one of the shippiest scenes in the um, the series uh, uh, history, Tiff would have been like, "Kava, what did you do?" <laughs>